A regular read of the latest LGBT+, trends, TV, and the ever-expanding world of drag. Hello there, I'm the Velvet Snatch, and welcome to this season four of Girl. As usual, I'm joined by the scintillatingly wonderful Thotter Stew. Don't think I've ever had scintillatingly wonderful as a title. I quite like it. I'm putting it on my CV. <laughs> or grinder profile. Both. <laughs> and of course, he's fresh from the gym. It's the delightful gym bunny, Glenn. I went swimming today. It was wonderful. Washed <laughs> away all my sins. Yeah, have you got? Do you still have to use the armbands, or are we past that? I'm on the uh, the the foam stick, <laughs> the, the little foam board thing. <laughs> yeah, and it keeps my boobs up just nice. <laughs> Keep at it. The boobs will become pecs. Hopefully. And as our delightful special guest this week, we are overjoyed to welcome the wonderful, what did we say, the iconic queen of TV's rise and fall? It's James Allen. How are you doing, my dear? Hi, everyone. Nice to speak to you. I just want to say you're all fucking parasites. <laughs> He's correct. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard it said in speech, but I get a lot of messages saying that, so it's fine. No. <laughs> and that's just from being Glenn. <laughs> but yes, though, how are things going for you, James? Yeah, life is good. Obviously, the show has recently, like, it's been like a week now since the show's finished airing on television. So it's like a strange limbo stage of, okay, what's happening next? The show's just finished. I still feel like I'm reliving it every day. Come do an amazing podcast like this, and I'll be with you guys at Totally Drag as well. So. Yeah, it's a very like, like I'm living two lives at the moment. I'm back to my normal life doing my employment coaching and fitness instruction. But now I'm also like in the public eye in a strange way. And like people walking down the street are like, oh, you're so-and-so from the show, aren't you? And I'm like, I am. So <laughs> it's, it's, a very, it's a very strange but exciting time. Was I love it how weird? modest that I, I am was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yes, I yes, am. I, yes, I am Ramona. Thank you. I am the boss bitch. <laughs> I'm the boss bitch. The, the, yeah. Boss bitches doesn't need to say they're a boss bitch because boss bitches don't need to say they're boss bitches. There we go. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's going on my tombstone. Has it been like, were you watching it on TV? Because obviously, when we were speaking to uh, everyone from the traitors, they were saying how weird it was that you finished filming and then you had to wait to watch the edit on television. Like, how was that for you? Well, I guess I can go with the inside tea now it's all finished. So I actually, when I got eliminated, obviously I came, the day I got eliminated was the day it came on television. So I got elimin eliminated at three o'clock in the morning on Sunday, um, which was obviously very traumatic, calling an old man a parasite. And then I was in this hotel room on my own at five o'clock in the morning with no phone, nothing to do besides look at, watch television. I put the TV on at five o'clock in the morning, right? The first thing that came on was Channel 4 and an advert for the show. So my head was spinning at that point. I was like, what am I doing? Where am I? This is just... <laughs> and then I came home and then 10 o'clock at night, I'm watching myself on TV after just, just filming it all. So yeah, it's, um, it's a strange experience because it's almost like PTSD. You know when you go through a really harsh breakup and like a song comes on the radio that you used to love together and then all of a sudden like you just feel so sad or angry. Yeah, you just feel exactly like those feelings. Like it's just happened to you because it technically has. Rather than it getting brought up like six, seven months later, you are 
reliving it like a couple of days after it's just happened to you. That's crazy. That it's such a quick turnaround because obviously when like when we were speaking to drag queens from like UK Drag Race like during the pandemic, they were like, we had to wait a year until our shows aired and we had no idea what we did. You know? To be fair, that's quite similar to season five queens though. They're going to be probably waiting a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how quick they started filming that. It's just like, we were like, oh, season four is done and we're filming season five. And you're like, okay, right. Maybe breathe. Well, season 15 is just finished and then they're releasing the whole thing of what, All Stars 8 now. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Christ, like that filmed ages ago, though. It's crazy how, like, you don't realize until like you're in it how amazing the production teams are behind these things. Like, people work and breathe and live television, right, and and entertainment. And the people who do it like don't get enough credit because you know, obviously, the people who are on camera are the ones who get all the glory, really, don't they? But you know, without <laughs> yeah. them, we wouldn't be anything. So it's insane. Yeah, that's it. The amount of work that goes on behind the scenes. I I, I think nowadays, now that we have more people that do content creation and stuff, that they're kind of going, oh editing's really difficult oh you know whoever did this must have been working really hard and hopefully we've got more of an appreciation for you know the people behind the scenes now so obviously i am after being on the shore and then kind of having your little euphoria ptsd sort of moment did you, <laughs> did you ever have any regrets for, for going on in the first place regrets for going on the show yeah no regrets whatsoever like i i've always wanted to be on television in that sense and do something really cool um, so like I feel like I've had this calling my entire life to be like right you need to be like in the spotlight or in the public eye so it was just a long time coming so I applied to go on the traitors and then for some reason that didn't go through and then I almost got on the apprentice and married at first sight and all that jazz like I was so close to everything it just didn't happen I have no regrets of going on there at the end of the day like if you if you go into the entire process of going on the television show you've got to want to do it unless you're Ali of course <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's really good that you're like that, though, where you're going, oh, I've got this calling, like, I really want to do this, like, I really want to be in the spotlight, because, you know, like, you're really charismatic. It's good that you've been on the television now, and everyone's like, yeah, he is really charismatic, so hopefully it's going to open a lot of doors, you know? Hopefully. So, what, what was the, like, best lesson you took away from, like, the experience of being on the show? The best lesson is trust your gut, because whatever you feel is the right feeling, right? Everyone likes to second guess themselves or the um and they are or you know the the most important thing to do in life and i've learned this on the show as well is you look forward and you have to look at what is going to benefit you if you look left and you look right at what other people are doing it's going to blur your ideas and perceptions of everything else and opinions that come in aren't necessarily the right ones and sometimes the right opinions that don't fall in line with yours anyway make you go off track regardless right so don't allow anybody to sway your opinion and sway your thought process unless you can't only follow in suit of me of course because everything i did he followed in suit of <laughs> uh, yeah i think i wasn't a trailblazer as such but i've always been very headstrong like i'll come home and tell my family i've done something after it's happened and they're like mm didn't even know it was happening i was like well because i don't need you to tell me what i can and can't do plus i'm 26 but also i don't need your opinions and there's friends and family I, as well like I, I i never if i want to do it i'm going to do it if i if i wanted to jump off a bridge i would do it because i wanted to do it i've always <laughs> seen that with a bungee jump of course okay well that, that's it okay well maybe not <laughs> not right <laughs> now maybe maybe <laughs> save it a bit but um <laughs> But I, I think I think it's a really like it's a really interesting attitude and what you're saying about like not not just implicitly trusting the opinions of others kind of thing and you know like uh, 
I know second guessing yourself is something that I think a lot of people can relate to because a lot of people compare themselves to other people and then you go well you can't be that other person you have to deal with what you've got and you know the skills that you've got and do the best with them no and that's so true and like I think I know my skill set personally, and I'm a very personable person. So people have now sort of described as being quite street smart, but I sign quite people smart. Like I've obviously I've gone to uni and all that jazz. I'm not a very academic person, but I'm very good with people. I'm very I use a very good judge of character, and it's got on me really far in life now. So I'm not going to stop using that when it comes to a game show. That's the best bit about being somebody who is so switched on with people is isn't in a game about people right so i maneuvered myself so well to the point of doing so well and being the best ruler at the point in the game that i ended up me having to come out of the game because i was doing so well and then that (laughs) sort of showed the others lose sight of what being a ruler is or being a leader is right it's not about taking out the competition it's about how can we benefit with these skills that we've got and the grafters are the ones who are the most important. Same as management in real life. Sometimes they take their power too seriously to lead or be a boss rather than allow people to be themselves and flourish in their own way. Yeah. I mean, how would it have been, though, if you had got onto the traitors, though? Because obviously with this kind of confidence and this kind of charisma, I think people would be like, nah, it got to be, you know, can't possibly trust this guy. He's too trustworthy, you know. Hold your cards close to your chest. I'm not stupid. <laughs> obviously, I know I need to, obviously, we're doing a podcast, right? I can be charismatic and loud because I want people to see me for me. Going on the traitors, you have to hold your cards close to your chest until you can sort of start to trust people and open up and be yourself a little bit more. And that's what I sort of did on, on you know, Rise and Fall as well. You can't reveal everything about yourself to somebody. Hmm. And, and that's like, again, in real life, people tend to open up to me quite a lot quite quickly. And I think that's just like this natural thing I've got with people. And that's always in my advantage because I'm like, okay, a bit of ammunition for later on then. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly Keep what the I would have traitors. Exactly <laughs> what I would have done the traitors. Okay, yeah, I know. I, yeah, I totally agree there. That's very good. <laughs> Kind of would like to see you cast on the traitors now, but I want to go on there, so we'll, maybe not the same season. So speaking of skills, not necessarily people skills, but maybe skills in general. Obviously, you did a few work shifts, but then you got to rise. Out of all the ones that you didn't get to do that you've obviously seen now, what would you have hated the most? Like, what was the least desirable of those work shifts to you? I think for me, I would have hated to have done the waste removal shift, to be completely honest, because... It was just grim to watch. Like, to, well, to imagine being in it is grim, right? Watching it, like, yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> it was, it was very fun to make them do it all. Um, it was just wasn't a nice situation and a nice environment to be in. I don't think. And I'm, I'm very I'm much, I'm very much a clean freak. Like, I played rugby when I was thirteen, right? And I quit because I hated the mud. <laughs> I, like, I can't do it with this mud. I'm gonna be a swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's much cleaner, to be fair. Yeah, so that. I was a swimmer then for, until I was 16. But yeah, that was, that was the worst one I wouldn't want to have wanted to have done. Yeah, I think I'm, you got lucky when you rose. That was a good time. Uh, I'm surprised. I think the clear licking one was the worst. I did the dog food, right? I had to actually swallow it. And I don't swallow it the best of times, to be completely honest. So the fact, <laughs> I got to, the fact that it would have been good to spit it out it would have been a great bit of tongue action. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh. it like didn't even look like food. It literally it looked like they were licking played off plates, and I was just like, you know, I'm not the best with like food in general anyway. Like, you know, like I'm a bit, I can like, especially when it was like fish. I was like, oh, nah. When you're in the environment of the money is everything, and being a leader is everything, you will do things to stand out or to, you know, to make them make the cash. 
So yeah. you, you'll be surprised. Like if you ever you go on the trails of the circle, right, you will maybe have to go against someone you don't want to go against, but you will because you want to stay in the games. When you rose to the penthouse and avoided the rubbish, the waste removal, what was the most lavished thing you experienced apart from Greg James? <laughs> <laughs> um, the most lavish thing. I think for me, the food was the most lavish thing because uh, like, I love food. Like, I love to eat. And everything you wanted was there. And you'd wake up for breakfast and it was this huge spread, right? And when I rose from being a grafter to a ruler, the first day I was sat there on my own and I'm like, <gasps> avocado. I'm like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I've never had it before. And then there's like this cafetiere there as well with probably instant coffee in it. I'm like, <gasps> coffee, like stuff I've never had in my life. And I would say the food, because it was just so, so exquisite and so lavish and just so out of this world every time you were eating. It was just, oh, the food was amazing. Everything else was like, fine. Hot shower, you know, you're used to all that stuff, but you don't come home from a, from a day of work to uh, a spread, do you? So that was the best bit. <laughs> I've never seen someone get that excited about an avocado. <laughs> I like, I like it. Food, yeah. bread, rolls. I'm going to tell you a bit of tea about the bread rolls a little bit, actually, because everyone goes on about fucking bread roll. Um, and it, yeah, so, you know, to be to eat the to eat bread and soup and then to all of a sudden have an array of color and flavor in front of you, you're like, whoa, it was only five days for me. But I was really taken aback, not emotional as such, but it was very much like, whoa, OK, these people downstairs are actually eating this 24 seven. It's not just an on camera thing. It's like a shit. This is it. This is their life. This is my life now. And you sort of do feel quite bad. Hmm. tea with the bread rolls right basically eddie won because of the bread roll situation am i wrong no they all basically said said, oh eddie kept fed down there blah 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 blah. he did not to make bread but who did me (laughs) who knew how to make bread and taught him to make bread but wasn't shown on the show me (laughs) i was the one being called star baker for helping him make the bread rolls and then i said oh eddie you can take over then and all of a sudden wow eddie Bread rolls. So you should have been winner by proxy, really. I mean, you know, you were winner in many ways. <laughs> I think Eddie owes you some cash. I think Eddie owed me owes me at least fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, speaking of struggles, there. I mean, like, have you? Have you experienced, like, you know, obviously in your, you've got a wonderful professional career and whatnot. Have you experienced the same kind of power struggle outside of the show? Never in work. I don't take anything serious. <laughs> and that's not because I don't take what I'm doing serious, but I never take anything to heart, especially when it comes to work, right? My job doesn't define me as a person. And that's how I see, see, see the world. Like, whatever I'm feeling doesn't define me. What I want to do in life is not what I'm doing right now. It pays my bills, but where I want to be is somewhere else. So it doesn't yeah. define me. I would say the biggest struggle I've had in terms of power and all that jazz would probably be my like one of my only relationships, to be honest. And that was... A, a turbulent one. Oh no! Yeah. You, do you want to elaborate? Or <laughs> um, um, it was just very much like uh, so. I came out for this person at twenty because um, their culture wouldn't allow them to. Hmm. So we got together and I thought, right, for us to have a relationship, we need some sort of safe space. So I thought, right, I'm probably going to be safe to come out. So I came out to my friends and family pretty like soon after we we got together, just so we had that space. And at this time. Um, probably wouldn't be quite open so you put, put in whatever you wanted I had never slept with anyone I was 20 not a girl yeah. not a boy and I knew I was gay from a very young age so I've heard that for a long time and then to be open about it um, it was quite a big change but it was very much a controlling it was always a power struggle it was very much like 
they wanted to keep me in the shadows because I think they knew what they had. Mm. And they were, it got to the point where I believed I was nothing without them. And it was a wow. power struggle to have to fight, you know, but it was it was a battle every day of okay they think I'm enough but they make me believe I'm not enough yeah that makes sense and it was yeah. confusing and it was very much like you can't wear this you can't wear that you can't be friends with them you can't go gay clubbing you can't it was very controlling but looking back on it now is very much of it was me having to in my light for someone else's insecurities yeah. and that was the power struggle that I didn't realize I had until it was over. So, which is really scary and I think you see it a lot with like couples where one of them is like really attractive and that the other one becomes very paranoid and very sort of but then end up driving the the guy away like they end up driving driving the person away because they're like hey I've become so controlling because I'm so scared about losing you that I've made it horrible yeah. to be with me and it's like yep yeah, people are stupid <laughs> yeah I mean I could talk forever about obviously things to do with relationships and things so I'm very much big on like want to be a champion for each other and regardless if like they're the most amazing person best looking person in the world or they're not like you love them for who they are and they should be on that pedestal forever to you rather than trying to knock the pedestal down yeah to be on their level and that's how I sort of see it it is hard and you do see it especially within our community and since I've come out the show I've had a lot more exposure and engagement with with our community and a lot more compliments as such let's just mm. say that to say the least and if I don't have chance to reply or I don't reply it's very much like oh you're so fucking arrogant you think you're this that and the other just because you look so handsome and you're this that and the other and I'm like one when you don't know me too yeah. just because I haven't replied doesn't mean I don't want to speak to you but I haven't got all the time in the world to answer you and then people jump to a conclusion because you're handsome in quotation marks that you're arrogant when I, I don't base myself and my self-worth on how I look because I haven't always you know looked this way. I've gone through transformations in my own life. So I value myself on my spirit, my character, how I treat people and how I carry myself as a person. But they don't know that and they just think of it as always oh, handsome. So fuck him. Well, I, I think that's the thing, and especially with like from a show like this or whatever, where we get to see you playing a game, where we get to see you sort of like doing that. But but I think it's the idea of obviously like there are a lot of insecure people out there, and you know like mm. if you you know if you're left on scene for a while or something, or you don't reply, then they read into it without realizing that people have a hundred and one other things to do in their lives. Yeah, everyone's insecure, and I think the best thing to think about it is you know. Well, you don't want to call out people's insecurities because then it makes it worse. But also, you know, you got to think about what are people going through in real life that you won't know about. I mean, we've all probably all got something going on right now, all between all four of us, right? But we probably don't know. We just think, oh, these the, they're these charismatic people. But on the show, I got called out for my insecurities shining through, which didn't bother me because I I've dealt with how I feel in terms of my insecurities. But if someone was really insecure during the filming process and to be called out for it. And in such a such a pressured environment, I can imagine that would have been really hard to deal with. But I like I'm not. So I actually don't agree. <laughs> I didn't agree because I've had my insecurities and I had insecurities for twenty odd years. I'm twenty six now and I've dealt with them for the six years of me coming out of the closet. I don't like that. No, it's a moment of that. For me coming out as as gay, right? Mm. So I've dealt with them. So my insecurities are now my strength. If people can't make them their strength, it's going to make you feel worse. So don't people on people's you know flaws because we've all got them. That's really good advice. I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. Around keeping your insecurities as your strength, what people did you keep close to you who 
were your strength within the show and who do you still keep in touch with now? So we all still keep in touch quite a lot. We're actually all meeting up tomorrow in Essex and Chigwell uh, for like a cast rap party. <laughs> um, the people around me in the show was definitely Joanna, Jack, Sydney, and Connor. Those were like the sort of the top four. Um, with all in different periods and for different reasons. Sydney helped me get through the basement a lot because we would we were like very similar. We were like brother and sister and like best friends from like day one. And when I rose actually, she was she said turned to Jack whilst we were all in bed and goes, Oh, I don't want James to go. He's my best friend down here. And that was really wholesome. And she didn't say it to me, she said it to Jack, but I overheard it and I was like, Oh that's like that's touched me. Oh. Um and and they yeah so they all got me through it at some point obviously i know connor obviously got me out at some point but at the end of the day it was the game so no hard feelings but we had each other's back we could go to each other and there wasn't anybody else like me and connor from the community really who we could sort of talk to about other things so yeah he he was really close and jack was just jack the lad he always made me laugh and he was like my older brother and joanna said she wanted to climb me like a ladder which was absolutely fine um but she <laughs> is a phenomenal woman get a foot on every rung (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah and she 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 also like brought a lot of light to maybe darker situations that's that's fair enough and i mean if that's the first thing someone says to you of course you're gonna be friends with so we've already had a little bit of tea about the uh bread rolls and who actually started off that situation is (laughs) there any other unaired gossip any little exclusives that we could get out of you oh i i need to have a think (laughs) Is there any questions that you have of like, oh, did this happen? Did that happen? Perhaps. Oh no, we like unaired, um, unspilled tea. Like we we want it to come to mind. Um, I guess. Oh, I don't know. It's like unaired. Well, I wouldn't. I won't say who. There were certain people who would do certain things in order to be seen more on camera. And it got to the point where it was like, oh fucking hell! Like we know what you want. We know why you're here. And you just fucking take a chill pill. It's not going to happen. It's boring. <laughs> Um, all they speak into their mic to be like, I go and do this because this is going to be really cool. And they'd speak to like the gallery who was listening to all of our conversations. And we'd be like, desperate? So moving on from Rise and Fall, we want to know a little bit about you. So like outside the show, like what has been your most memorable life experience so far? Jesus Christ. Yeah, we just immediately hit you with a heavy question after talking about it. I don't know. I've been very lucky in my life. Like, I've had a very, I have a very loving, caring family and a very nice group of friends and a very close knit group. So, like, if ever I did anything wrong in life, they'd be the ones to support me regardless. You know what I mean? I guess. Um, it, so when I when I went through my traumatic breakup, then let's say it's not going to be all about my breakup. I promise. Um, <laughs> Just I, make make it do your full Taylor Swift thing. Well, yeah, honestly, I got to yeah, I got to air it out. <laughs> um, I I flew to Canada for a few months and worked out there during the pandemic and and when it all happened, and I just sort of was like, wow, this is like sort of like the making of me now because I went through something very awful. We're still going through the after effects of it, but I thought, right, I'm going to just fly away. Go to halfway across, well, halfway across the world, as far as I could possibly go during the pandemic, and like just live my best life and explore my, you know, my newfound self. So I'd never actually have been gay and been single and been confident. So I took those three months that I was away to explore and find who I am as a person, to find my new self as such, and that was really cool. Obviously, besides this, to go on television as well, that's probably going to like be the top of my list forever now. It's hard because I guess like I'm so used to doing like quite sporadic, spontaneous things that I'm quite used to doing cool. Things. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm really jealous of the calendar drip, to be fair. It's somewhere that I really want to go. To, to be fair, it's, Stu, it's we've, we've spoken to half the drag queens in Canada on this very podcast. So, you know, we, we already know everyone over there. Yeah, I've got plenty of places to stay, pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep on someone's couch. Maybe Jimbo. We'll see. <laughs> Sleep um, on so Jimbo's can... couch. <laughs> She's never bloody <laughs> there. She's in the UK all the time. <laughs> Just break so into the house of Jimbo. That, that's what we'll do. We'll squat. I know because it's recorded now. Legally, I can get in trouble for that because we've recorded it on audio. Oh, um, so obviously, you've you've had a lot of good experiences so far. What about yeah. goals for the future? Then is there anything in particular you've got in mind, or maybe another TV show that you would like to, you know, slide into? Um, yeah, so goals for the future. Um, definitely more television work. Again, reality TV is something I love to do, but I'd like something a bit more secure. I think I'd I'd love to try presenting. I got a bit of a knack for that as such, but um, would love my own podcast as well. But just sort of go into the wellness industry a little bit because I do group fitness. I'm a personal trainer. I'm really into like my skincare and like mental health, physical health. I'm really big into that, and I have a very big advocate for all of those things. And you know, like for what I do as a job as an employment coach, it's not just forcing people back into work where people think it's about people's health and mental health journeys. And you've got to help people in so many different ways. And I'm very big on like giving all the energy that I have to people to make them feel good. And I would love to be able to do that on a bit of a bigger, of a mass scale as such, because that's what I feel like I'm here to do on earth. As cringe it might sound, like I feel like I'm of service to people in like a very spiritual, mental way. Um, and I also, my biggest thing, like I love skincare. You saw me with my tiger mask and my Jade roller on the television, right? <laughs> I love skincare. I want my own skincare brand. I want to run my own company and sell skincare. I think I think you've got a, a good mindset though, because you you know exactly what you want to do and you know what your personality type is. You just need to connect the dots. So you know, and if you ever want any yeah. podcast tips, don't ask us. We're terrible. Thank yeah. you. Well, well, no, I think you're doing a good job. I mean, it's it's you know what coming out of it. Like I lived such a normal. I say normal life. I lived a very blessed life as such. But like, the life I've lived has been very normal to like the industry that I'm sort of like got, got my toes in at the moment. And the fact that you know, there's potential things happening in the future is really, really cool. And yeah, I think like just you got to hit the ground running with these things, haven't you? And like I said to one of the, I said to Rossi earlier over a voice and I said, we need to ride this horse until it dies. And then once we've jumped off, it should be set and secure. That, that's that's sort of what the plan has to be, right? <laughs> I, love that. I love that metaphor. Yeah, you yeah. have to. Keep on the horse until it literally can't keep going and then we <laughs> jump to the next one. I always thought it was keep on the horse until it died. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you get up to on a Thursday evening. <laughs> it sounds <Horse>. expensive regardless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So as part of the fabulous LGBTQIA plus community, what advice would you give to somebody to embrace their identity and be able to feel very fulfilled within themselves? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I guess I'll just have to talk on experience that I've had of my own. It's like, if if you're in a room full of people and like you love and they're meant to love you and you're, they're your you know, so-called friends and family, and if... Being fulfilled in yourself means walking away from people. Walk away because they're not in your skin. They're not in your mind. They're not in your current situation of trying to discover an identity that's wonderful, that's you. And don't be scared to break the mold of family, of friends either, if it's going to benefit you as a person. And at the end of the day, your mental health is really important, but your identity is just as important. And ultimately forms who you are so if you need to go on a journey of self-discovery for that identity and turn your back on people that might not want you to 
you have to do it to make yourself happy. And to tie, tying into that, like, you know, you spoke earlier about like coming out at 20. Like, how was your experience embracing your identity? Like, you know, because the way you said it makes it sound like you were just like one day just like, mother, I'm a homosexual. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, what, what was it like? Like, did you know from an early age? And it was like this, oh, um, you know, were you dreading it? Because obviously I, I'm older than you and I've got the wonderful thing of going, wow, my parents weren't okay with it when I came out, but now they're like, oh, oh, this is fine kind of thing. And it was like a wonderful gradual relationship change, I think. Yeah, I think before I discuss like my story, I want to sort of, ident- I think this is a very important thing to identify. Like family that I'm in, where I'm born, I'm very lucky. And what you grow into is very much potluck, right? You know, everyone is born with different things that they have to deal with. And my story is very much like from 13 or 14. I think I knew I was different to the other boys when they were all sort of talking about girls and whatever. And I was like, mm. Mm, especially when you're on the swim back? team. Yes. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously being on the swim team as well. Obviously you get friends and best friends who like you're both boys and you know, you know what it's like when you have sleepovers together, like these things happen, right? <laughs> not necessarily, not sexual, of course, but you just, the conversations happen. There was times where I was like, well, why do I not feel like this conversation is, I don't want to talk about it. So obviously then you go on to Google, I went to Google and looked at things. I was like, okay, like, what does this mean? There's a picture of me in year nine with one of my friends sent me the other day of me doing a gay test. I was 70% gay. (laughs) (laughs) So I was in school, which is really funny. I'm disappointed that it was only 70% accurate though. 100% gold star. The only reason it's not platinum (laughs) is because obviously I was born without being a cesarean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Obviously, as we know. But yeah, and then going through school was tough because I was going through these changes personally and I couldn't speak to my family or friends about it because one, I didn't want my friends to know in case they spread it. Not that they would have, but that's sort of the fear you have. But yeah. when, you know, your family, you just sort of think, well, what, what are they going to say about me being different? And I, I wouldn't say I was bullied in school as such, but I was sort of picked on in the sense of I was a little bit, I was taller than everybody. I was bigger physically, like a bit more overweight. Then I, my voice was pretty high for a very long time. And it's still, I think it's quite a femme voice now, to be honest, which is fine. Don't really care. Like I'm, I, I'm okay with it. But in school, like I'd have people like, mimic my voice in classrooms in front of people all the time and then it was just so like well, well what are they doing that for why am i mm. the, why am i the one to be picked on for potentially being different and then i'd have them constantly messaging me are you gay are you this are you that and it was really like well if i am so fucking what what are you going to do uh, it was so much it was consistent for such a long time that i made you think oh shit okay i need to suppress this to try and be what i consider that point normal mm. which there is no normal obviously um and then so cut long story short i ended up meeting this person who i thought okay i really like them i think i'd like to be in a relationship with them after a couple of weeks so you know i know how fast the gays move um (laughs) and i we're talking hours uh, usually yeah talking hours so like so that was about 13 14 i didn't actually find someone i wanted to be with until i was 20 so that's obviously a long time anyway and then the coming out process i'm very lucky so i came out to my best friend at the time and she cried and i cried because like the world like shifted for me at that point Mm. and then a couple of days later i came down the stairs and was like i'm gonna tell my mom i'm gonna tell my mom i went into the kitchen and i sat on the side i was like right mom i gotta tell you something Turn around, she's peeling potatoes for some reason. It's just a vivid memory. She leans back and goes, mm, I've always wondered. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And I was like, What do you mean? What have you always wondered? Because I've always wondered if you were gay. Not that it's a problem, but I've just always wondered. It's taken you a while, sort of thing. And I was like, Well, that's not the only thing. I've got a boyfriend. And she was like, 
all right, okay, well, we'll have to meet him then, won't we? We're going to need more potatoes. I was like, yeah, that was, and that was it. So I was very lucky with that. My dad, um, my mum told my dad for me. He was emotional, but it wasn't emotion of, oh, my son's gay. It was, oh, I don't want him to be treated any differently because I love mm. him for who he is. I don't want him to be made to feel any less. And then my sisters as well. My one sister got quite emotional about it because she was like, well, I wish you told us sooner because I didn't want you to go through this on your own because it's such a big thing to deal with for such a long time. And the fact you've dealt with it from being a teenager to an adult and only just recently coming out, you're going through a lot and we didn't know and we could have helped you see that it's okay. Mm. And my other sister, then she was the one to find out last in my family. And she sat there and looked at me and goes, before we go on to anything else, am I the last one to know? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. And so, but regardless of you being gay or not, she goes, why am I always the one to find out news last? Like, what is it to do with, why doesn't anyone want to tell me news first? <laughs> and then we quickly squashed the fact that I was gay then, there and then by her being more bothered about the fact she was the last one to find out. <laughs> but how wonderful is that? That they're literally like, it, you know, it can be a joke or they can joke about it rather than it being like such a big deal. That's really wonderful. I especially like that when you were talking on behalf of your mum, you went more Welsh. <laughs> I go really Welsh. Oh, but you went more Welsh, and I was just like, okay. <laughs> She is super Welsh. I mean, there is, um, I don't, they probably won't listen to this podcast, but my, I'm going to be completely transparent because this is all about being transparent, right? So my, my brother-in-law, um, he is, he is not a fan of me and he's known me since I was like 12 and I came out and she told, told him. And I think his reaction was very strange at that time. They're going to get married as well. And he sort of turned around to my sister as well. If that's the way he wants to be, then he's not going to be invited to the wedding and he can't come into the house. And, this and the other and obviously at that time he's known me for what eight years nine years you should have, would have seen me grow up really um and, and he's yeah so his attitude even now six years on is very much the same of if we're in the same room whatever wherever i am it doesn't exist i don't exist it it's you know what do you know what i mean it's very much even to the smaller point of oh who wants a cup of tea he'll ask everyone and just skip me <laughs> it's very awkward because you care and love for your sister, obviously, but at the same time, you have someone who has a bit of rage about you against them. So that's a very diff. That's the only bit of, I would say, homophobia or disagreements about my sexuality I've actually had in life, which I'm very lucky, to be honest. It, 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 I, I'm not going to speculate anything about him, but uh, I, I, all the behaviour like that I've seen in the past ends up being, um, you know, uh, indicative they of something. Like but um. <laughs> And there's not a subtle bone in your body. It's mad that, like, usually people being exposed to a queer person makes them go, oh, actually, it's not that bad. And yet this seems to be the opposite. If he's known you for eight years and he's still going, like, oh, well, I don't like it. It's like, well, what? <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. It's a very strange one to me because what is going to happen here? I'm not going to change because there's nothing wrong with me. I think you need to change the attitude a little bit and have a conversation with me. My family have said, well, why haven't you tried to speak to him? And it's things like that. I'm like, well, why would I speak to him? Because I'm not the problem. If you've got a bridge, you build it, you get over it and come speak to me. Until that mm. happens, I don't need to worry. I don't stress, you know. As RuPaul says, I always say it, they don't pay your bills. And those bitches don't <laughs> right. mind. So I don't pay anybody no mind who don't give a fuck about me because at the end of the day, you're not paying my bills. And you aren't going to, you know, if, if you're here for any of my success, unfortunately, you won't be on that train because you weren't there when I was just being me. So, yeah. I mean, you're not you're not yourself for anyone else but yourself, right? You know, you're not exactly. you're not being who you are to please someone else, and that's exactly. kind of the most important thing. Speaking of as well, what what is the most authentic that you've ever felt yourself? I think the moment I felt most authentic was I think when my relationship ended as well, because 
I'd come out to be with someone for someone and it wasn't even coming out because I wanted to it was more of a necessity to have a relationship right and I think once the relationship sort of ended and I had to sort of discover James single but also a very amazing community that I've never been single in before um that was when I think I felt my most authentic because I didn't have to act a way to please partner I had to act a way to please myself and that might have been just you know doing things I was never allowed to do because it would upset somebody and in your most authentic self might upset people but as long as it makes you happy that's what you've got to do right and that's when I felt the most happy was when I was able to discover James who had this bright light that was dimmed out for a little bit and it just sort of relit that match to relight that fire and that's sort of how I've been since this has happened really it's like you turned on the little gear light bulb and just refreshing yeah because obviously you, you people can come out come out as as gay or as, as whatever they want to come out as right and still feel a pressure to conform to something and until you sort of relinquish the pressure and relinquish the stress and just be you you know you're never going to be your most authentic self and that's why i said earlier you know like don't make work your personality don't make like i say to people like don't make I don't want to make my sexuality my personality because it's just it's a part of me and there's more to me than just that. So if you make something your personality, you almost have to conform to those you know, to those sort of things. And you don't have to conform to anything. Just be you. Don't you know, break every mold you want to break. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, personality is built up of all the different elements of you. It's not just one thing. Exactly. So yeah, you know, sex, sexuality is going to be part of your personality, mm. but it doesn't have to be the be all and end all i think you're doing a good job of that to be honest yeah it gets mentioned but you know it's a gay podcast after all (laughs) i think to be fair to answer the question it sounds like now is the most authentic you've ever felt it absolutely is and you know what to have watched my like to go back to the tv show to have watched myself back i wasn't even hesitant i wasn't like oh i don't like the way i look i don't (laughs) like the way i sound i don't like the way i'm walking it was like fuck me i'm on a television show like how crazy that is and i'm like i'm me and i see that and i see for what I've seen in myself for so long and to see that transpired onto television for the world to see as well. I'm like, whoa, that, that's so cool. <laughs> there was no part of me on that show that I was like, like that. <laughs> that's not arrogance. That's just being so comfortable. Yeah, that's it. Be comfortable with yourself. Like, you know, because it's, yes. I, I, can you, you probably won't believe this, but I used to hate the sound of my voice. I used to hate the sound of listening to my voice back. And now I'm like going, I oh, I kind of have to like it because <laughs> I hear it quite a lot. <laughs> Yeah, but you have your voice, honestly, you have a very cool, unique voice. And I think you could send me to sleep in a very good way. Like, honestly, you could do audiobooks, podcasts, obviously you podcast. You could do so many things with that voice of yours. So embrace it. <laughs> to be fair, the amount of people requesting ASMR things, but I think if I was to do them, I'd do them weird. So I'd do them like a really freaky story, but I'd do it in a really relaxing way so you can fall asleep to do some it. insane I'd nonsense. I'd love that. <laughs> So during your whirlwind week of being on TV, it appears yeah. that you became Tia Coffee's latest TV husband. <laughs> yeah. How do, how does that feel? Well, I bloody love Tia Coffee, right? I loved her on season two of Drag Race, and obviously it came out whilst we were at season two UK Drag Race, and it came out whilst we were in whilst we were in lockdown as well. So I think I binged it a few times, and. The way they are over voice message or over DMs is the exact same. And Tia Coffee's voice is ingrained into my mind. So when they're like, oh, how was your day? It's very much like however they would say it. You imagine it. Um, And yes, they make my day. We are very much husbands until Aaron comes back. But I think it's going to be a thruple situation because he's going to have to fight me for it now. (laughs) 
And there goes the OnlyFans content. Three-way crossover. Wow, okay. A mud wrestle for tea or coffee. I let you into a little bit of tea. I reckon her most recent song is secretly written about me. It's not even a secret. (laughs) <laughs> she's probably tweeted somewhere that she wrote it about you we'll have to get her on and we can ask that question yeah we'll get her on she'll be like oh I... those guild globals won me again <laughs> honestly I miss getting voice notes from Tia at stupid times in the morning like it's been a while been a like I would, it would be like 12 o'clock she'd be watching the rise and fall and be like I don't understand why so and so is doing this this and this what about you where have you gone oh my god Ramona's such a queen I absolutely fucking love her and like it was just it was just like I was like fuck me this person their personality that you see on Drag Race obviously is what they are like in you know in real life and I'm like what an amazing person to be around 24 7 because it's just so funny <laughs> so so good so, so i mean good. she tested out uh, you know when she released outside in she tested that by sending me voice notes from a taxi at 3 a.m singing it really drunk brilliant, brilliant. no way that's the one that's the one that's the one <laughs> but speaking so, of well-renowned uh, UK drag queen Tia Coffee, have you ever been in drag or anything like as a laugh or you know? No, do you know what? I've never done drag as a laugh. I do wear makeup sometimes, but it's more about like I like to do it as a no makeup makeup look. So I'll do a bit of like a bit of Charlotte Tilbury flawless filter and a nice <laughs> bit of concealer as such. But yeah. no, I wouldn't necessarily. I don't think for me it's not what I would want to do. And I also appreciate the art of what drag is. I prefer to experience the, the art of it. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I, I think it's good because everyone's like, oh, I'm going to be an amazing drag queen. So it's quite nice meeting someone who's like, no, actually, I'll let, I'll let other people be, do I that. Wouldn't be able, no, I wouldn't be able to be a good drag queen. One, the makeup skills wouldn't be there. I probably would be taller than RuPaul in drag, to be honest. Um, and I would be, I just would like, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know if I'd be very good. I just, I think I'd be like, oh my God, like I just wouldn't, I think I'd take myself too seriously or I'll be in drag. <laughs> well, to be fair, I've had guys hit on me in drag and I don't know if you've seen what I look like in drag, James, but I'm still bald. So it's the idea of just going, okay, you are very drunk, mate, you know? Uh. And you still have the beard as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, it's just, and someone being like, oh, you're beautiful. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> okay, well, you know, you're a walking Specsavers advert, mate. But <laughs> what you can get at the end of the day, because it might not, you might not get the attention forever, so take it. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That's why you want to find your husband, one who yeah. will appreciate you in and out of drag. Can I ask you a question? Oh, yeah? Would you, if you ever get married, would you get married in drag or would you, or is it just sort of what you do as a hobby? No, I do it as as a hobby. Like I wouldn't get married in drag. I'd probably keep it separate. I mean, this is the thing though. You have it like obviously to lower the tone a little bit. Like a lot of the conversation that happens in drag circles is like people who will have sex in drag and people who won't. Because like a lot of drag queens, like the, you know, the, the slinkier, sexy ones and stuff, they have a lot of guys like wanting that kind of fantasy and whatnot yeah, of course. i genuinely like i if someone tries to kiss me in drag i'm like nope nope i'm working you know so if, if i was on a if i was with someone who I was going out with or whatever i'd be like no wait till i'm out of drag like i totally keep it separate but a lot of people don't like but i think it's because for me it's a costume rather than myself i love that though like at the end of the day like you can differentiate you know your drag art from who you are do you know what i see clo- i see the clothes women wear sometimes like fucking hell like i wish men's clothes weren't so fucking boring sometimes do you know what i is, mean like isn't it horrible the idea of just how 
subdued everything is like for fashion for us where it's the idea of okay so it's a wedding your choices are this suit all that that's it yeah that that's it that's it's just the one you know like oh do you want to do yeah and it's and it's really frightening that we need to get to a society more and i think we're getting that with like um you know with transgenderism where we're actually getting to a society where it's like oh anyone can wear whatever the hell they want because limiting it by gender is stupid you know well actually that's not true not everyone can wear what they want because you know there's people like sam smith who gets slaughtered for whatever Mm. they want to wear whereas Harry Styles, for example, is on the cover of a magazine being a bit more androgynous and he's champion for it. So why, why is Yeah, that's it. And it, I think it's like, you know, we'll give more leeway to someone who's like na- typically handsome kind of thing. And that's the the battle that we still have. Even Harry Styles, it's like what he's what he's doing is like, you know, it's like dresses and floral type things or whatever. It's not really risque where Sam Smith is literally pushing the boundaries uh, and i think it makes a lot of men uncomfortable i think it's very much men complaining about going hey you're making me question stuff and i find life comfortable because everything's in neat little boxes and then i find i have i have friends who have sort of gone against sam smith who would share quite awful things about them on facebook and i'm like you're part of the community you're you're a gay male and you were you obviously came out when it wasn't even as acceptable as it is now and to be so against it i find mm. it really odd when gay men pers- like for me are also homophobic mm. yeah. it doesn't make sense to me because it's like there's never going to be a level of equality in life if the people who are in a minority group are so are making more minorities of minorities. It just doesn't make sense. Like life is never going to be good for generations to come. Well, it's like politicians at the moment. Like I just don't understand. Like the whole UK and America in particular. Like the whole like anti-trans, anti-gay, anti-immigrant thing. I'm like, surely you're meant to be going into this job, and all you want is people to be healthy, happy, buying homes, making money, which contributes to taxes, which then contributes to life, yep. and. That's surely what you want. I think the problem with politics is, you know, uh, demagoguery is basically you go with, hey, what does the majority of people think? And I will play to that and I will, you know, play to that fear and whatnot. So it's the idea of, you know, playing to all of the people who might vote for them who are scared about this and being like, yeah, we're also concerned about this thing and we're scared about immigrants and stuff. And it's like, even if there isn't actually a threat there, if you can make people feel like they need you and that you're the only one who can do something about this perceived problem they have, it's depressing how it works, really, rather than being like, can we not just be nice to each other? It's scary that we don't sort of think about how others feel more about, like, going, like even someone who bullies you, you still go, what are you going through? Why are you like this? You know? Yeah, you have to think like that because... Unless, unless you know, you've had a perfect life and you just want to be mean because you're mean, then... <laughs> yeah, if you're just evil. Like, you? like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, why, why... I don't know. I, I just... I can't imagine why people want to be mean to people. Like, what satisfaction do you get in your day-to-day life to make someone feel shit? And it can't be better than actually having people be happy, you know? Because I think the greatest satisfaction is doing something and seeing that it brings someone happiness, in my personal opinion. So, shall we do something a little bit more fun than talk about the terrible state of the world? Do we fancy a game? Uh, so, every week we have a nice little game. It is the guest of honour versus one of the two hosts who... Bagsy, not me. I don't think we've ever, ever won, basically. <laughs> um, uh, yes, this week, Bagsy, not you, it is <laughs> James versus Glenn. Uh, because yeah. I've given up on asking velvet questions now. Uh, I, have, I have utterly so... <laughs> failed twice in a row now, which... 
I, I'm taking it as a badge of honor <laughs> that I'm so terrible at the game. Well, I mean, the prize is a badge. So if you want to make yourself a badge that just says badge of honor, you can. It just says fail. <laughs> uh, this week, I tried to think of a way of doing a rise and fall themed game that wasn't just about the show. And yeah. I thought, nope, I'm just going to do a rise themed game. So in turn, I'm going to give you each three artists and songs from a certain year. And I want you to tell me who rose to the top and sold the most single. Ooh, I like this one. And it's, it's the top, so it's the top three selling songs of that year as well. So they all did sell very well. One of them sold more than. Sorry, so before we go, Glenn, got... how old are you? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. <laughs> no, no, this is this is no, twenty-five in gay not. years. You know. I thought that okay, was so nothing, follow nothing... you look so young, but okay. That's why we're shocked. <laughs> that twenty-five. Wow. Nothing Nothing is from uh, before 2005. So I think that's the earliest one. Did I even go with that one? I might not have even went that far back. Um, so uh, we'll start with James. As we always do, we start with the guest. So in 2009, which of these artists and which song came out on top? Was it Lady Gaga with Just Dance, Lady Gaga with Poker Face, or Black Eyed Peas' I Got a Feel? Oh, that got really tough at the end, you bastard. <laughs> ah. Okay, so when I was researching this, they're all quite hard. Yeah, oh, shit. Did say Black Eyed Peas? It is not Black Eyed Peas. Oh. It was Poker Face. See, oh. I, I thought it was Poker Face, but then at the end I was like, oh, actually, because I knew Poker Face did better than uh, Just Dance, but yeah, <laughs> bloody hell. No, the gays came out on top with this one. Okay. Uh, so, Glenn, in 2012, who came out on top? Was it Fun and Janelle Monet with We Are Young, Carly Rae Jepsen with Call Me Maybe, or Gautier, somebody that I used to know? Ooh. Is it? Somebody that I used to know? Correct. Yes. That's what I was going to say. I was, oh. I was <laughs> shook. I thought it would be Carly Rae Jepsen, which felt very well deserved. Uh, okay, James, 2019. Was okay. it Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber with I Don't Care, uh, Louis Capaldi with Someone You Loved, or Lil Nas X with Old Town Road? Oh, these are so hard. What, what are you doing to me? I told you I'm not smart. Uh, uh, I'm going to say Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber. Nope. Do I have another guess? Louis Capaldi. No. <laughs> I think when there's only three options, having two guesses is a bit... Uh, Louis, Louis Capaldi won that one. Um, okay, Glenn, who is currently winning, which is genuinely Yay. a shock. But this is this one. I was a little bit like. I think this is maybe the most obvious. In two thousand eight, was it Alexandra Burke with Hallelujah, Duffy with Mercy, or the X Factor finalists with their cover of Hero? Oh, that's Alexandra. It is Alexandra. Is this just for UK or worldwide? UK. I'm UK saying, right. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll th- okay. I'll think a bit better now. Then. Yeah. Think in the mindset of a UK citizen. Right. Um, so in two thousand and ten, then James, was it oh. Matt Cardle with When We Collide? Bruno Mars with Just The Way You Are, or Eminem and Rihanna with Love The Way You Lie? Ooh. Bruno? Nope. It was Love The Way um, You Lie. Okay. Arguably oh. the best of the three songs. Mm-hmm. Then we're going back to 2017. Was it Ed Sheeran with Shape Of You? Was it Ed Sheeran with Castle On The Hill? Or was it Daddy Yankee and Bieber with Despacito? <gasps> Ooh. Oh. Also, just to point out, in the top ten that year, there were four Ed Sheerans. Quite a lot. Really? Um, I'm torn between Shape of You and Despacito. 
I will tell you that one of those is the correct answer. Uh, Hang so on, we've yeah. just told James we can't cheat the this way. That's alright, he's, he's ruled one out. Despacito. No, Ed Sheeran. Incorrect, you're terrible. Yeah, no, yeah it's Sheeran. Nah, it was, it was Shape of You was one of the highest selling singers. Um, okay, James, back to 2006. Was it Leona Lewis with a moment like this? Niles Barkley with Crazy? Or Shakira with Hips Don't Lie? I'm going to go with Leona. Oh, Niles Barkley. Crazy. Yeah. Really? You know what? Actually, I would have got all these right. I'm really surprised at how well I'm doing in my head here. And I'm like, oh, okay. I would have went Shakira I, I, or Leona for that. In America, I was, maybe. I was but... off with this one. Yeah, this is UK, remember. Yeah, Niles Barkley was massive here, maybe not in America. I was disappointed in myself. I was disappointed in myself when I was reading these, if I'm honest. I thought I knew music until I read these. Glenn, 2011. Was it Adele with Someone Like You, LMFAO with Party Rock Anthem, or Maroon 5 and Christina Aguilera with Moves Like Jagger? Christina. Nope, it was Adele. Oh, oh that would be, yeah. Uh, watched a documentary on Netflix in the day. Very good documentary. Very good. I mean, I, I don't think any time Adele's released a single, it's not been best-selling for the yeah. end, to be fair. Um, okay, James, 2018. Was it Drake with God's Plan, Calvin yeah. Harris and Julepa with One Kiss, or George Ezra with Shotgun? George Ezra? Nope. Calvin Harris and Julepa. Wow. Oh, I, would, I thought it would have been George Ezra. I, I would have thought that, yeah. Not I've seen, I've seen him before, like he was famous, famous, because uh, he was supporting Tom Odell at uh, Manchester. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, like, down one of the chippies in Shields. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably got some big right. bollocks, though, haven't he? Because his voice is so deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you have but to like, find out, James. Actually... This is this is the Heavy. important research we need to be doing. Double hand. He's actually only got one leg. The other one is just his balls in a shoe. Yeah. <laughs> That's how big they are. You heard uh, it here Glenn, first. It know, might be a lie. I guess we know you've won already, but let's do the uh, let's do your last question. Rude. 2015. <laughs> was it Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars with Uptown Funk? Was it Hosier with Take Me to Church, or was it Omi with Cheerleader? Uptown Funk. Correct. Well done. Um, I, I'm gonna ask the question, even though I know <laughs> the answer. Velvet, who won? <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid with a ludicrous four points out of five which is i'm not quite prepared for <laughs> against james's um poultry one uh it's glenn <laughs> yay i'll think glenn what I'm that is, say is right losing is the new winning so that's all we've got to take from it yeah ah, we... no nobody is a loser on this podcast you are both winners one of you just gets a gold badge and one of you gets a silver badge <laughs> So right. nobody loses. I, I'm a loser. One just gets a nicer spray. Yeah. Yeah. Velvet loses by not playing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shall we do the tiebreaker just for a laugh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tiebreaker, it's not as wild as normal. Because um, normally I do like something stupid like, how many views does this video have on YouTube? And it's impossible to guess. This one's a slightly smaller number. Um, so I'll give you each one chance to give me a number. Since 2014... How many times has an Ed Sheeran song been in the top 10 UK selling song? It's a number, so you can't yeah. just say too many. Yeah, 12, yeah. that is correct. James, give me a number. So how many times has an Ed Sheeran song been in the top 10? Top 10 selling for the year. 
since 2014. So not just the top 10, because I couldn't count that. Probably going to be such an uneducated guess. Uh, 30? Love and Dunnage. 30? What about you, Glenn? How many achievements songs have I ended up in the top 10 best-selling for the year? Just now 30 songs. Will, like, he's, he's one of those crazy people where basically the entire album gets top 10 because See, of, like... Oh. That, that literally I was going to go with the much top. lower number now. No, so... no, no, no. Let him go for the much lower yeah, number. Like... I've not had any help. Uh, fine. I'll stick with the original in my head answer. I was going to say eight. It is very close. It's ten. Oh. So <laughs> he's had he's had many many top ten hits, but best selling only ten in the last what many years? Many nine years. Nine years. Nine years. If you win, I'm yeah. so competitive. I fucking hate losing. Yes, that was a game. Uh, well done, Glenn. You emerged victorious for the first time in a long time. Uh, well done, I'm Glenn. quite concerned now. I used to hold the record. So. That's it, cool. but it means that um, all three of us have got a gold stupido badge, technically. All three of us have I don't, because I gave mine away. <laughs> Whose fault is this? <laughs> Yours, because you wouldn't make me another one. <laughs> no, because you gave them away at Bloody DragCon. We're like, here's all these badges, and you're like, oh, I'll just give them people. To people that we owed them to. <laughs> no, you anyway. gave one to somebody from the I- press room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I was we had the badges. right amount of badges. And then... Look, it's called networking. <laughs> well, no, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, James. It has been absolutely phenomenal talking to you. It's been really good talking about like all these different subjects, and it's been very nice and nuanced. Have you had fun? Oh, I had so much fun. Like, I as much as I love having fun and a laugh, and like you said, being the sassy diva that we all like to be. Like, I do enjoy having those proper, like, DMCs, those deep, meaningful conversations. So just thank you for letting letting me come on and be my authentic self. <laughs> no, it's been wonderful. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to promote while you're here? Um, I guess just support me on social media at the moment. It's, you know, it's a funny one. It's a funny world at the moment. So follow me on TikTok, follow me on Instagram, see what I'm up to. Obviously, if you haven't watched Rise and Fall and you really want to see what, see what it's about, you can watch it on all four or Channel 4 On Demand as well. It's such a good series. It's so juicy that you will absolutely love it. So give that a watch, stream that, support everyone from the cast. But yeah, give me a follow on social media and, and do message me. I will do my best to reply to you. And it's not because I'm handsome, it's because I'm busy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, please, please do just um, go and show me some support and just pop a boy out. No, that's brilliant. Um, well, uh, Stu, is there anything that you... Well, Stu and Glenn, is there anything that you'd like to promote? think by the time this goes out we'll have already gone to totally drag yeah that um, will that'll be long say, in the past that'll be in the rear view mirror by the time this goes out i'm afraid yeah so g- give our footage a watch um james is going to be there with us we're going to be doing some nice cute little interviews we'll get some footage we'll have a fun time um so that and also any of our coverage of drag idol uk as well you can follow me on social media it's glenn underscore k underscore h uh, it's now camping season, although when it's every day is a camp season for me. But yeah, if you know any places where I can pitch me tent, I will take a good recommendation. Uh, I'm sorry, and... I thought you meant like camp, like camping it up season, not camping like going on a well, No, he is, he is a, really excited to be wet in, in a forest. <laughs> yes, I am also going to be out in my tent. <laughs> I love it. It's great. There's nothing better than being moistened in nature, I've often felt. 
you can catch me at thevelvetsnatch.com and on my Instagrams and stuff. I will be on the Girl Global videos doing interviews for DragCon UK. And you can also catch me, bizarrely, on the Nerdy Up North podcast. I'll look for that on Google, uh, which is quite fun. And yeah, that's everything. Thank you so much, dear listener, for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed. And let's just say goodbye. Should we try after three? <laughs> One, two, three. Goodbye. Bye. 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 B